0: This is Jonathan Armstrong with this week's Tech Law 10. I'm traveling at the moment, so apologies in advance if the line's not to our usual standard. But, Eric, you're over there in California, and you've been thinking, as ever, about decency.
1: <laughs> is that an indecent proposal? I don't know. Um, yes, that's true. So I want to talk again about Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. Jonathan and I have now recorded close to 260 podcasts, and this is one of those themes uh, that keeps percolating up, and it's very important, truly. So let me set the stage and and dive into this uh, a bit, and then I'll turn it back to you, Jonathan, for thoughts. So um, as you might recall, Section 230 of the CDA, the Communications Decency Act, it became law long ago when it comes to Internet time. We're talking way back in the 1990s, which for internet time really is a long time ago. Um, The main thrust of the CDA actually was an effort by Congress here in the U.S. to regulate indecent content posted online. But Section 230 was included within the CDA to provide general immunity to internet service providers with respect to third-party content, that's content, content posted by others on their sites. And while the indecency regulatory aspect of the CDA was struck down by the United States Supreme Court as violating our First Amendment, Section 230 survives to this day and actually has been a critical legal backbone that has allowed a good part of the Internet to flourish, especially social media. So when Section 230 became law, the public Internet really was in its infancy Uh, before that. Um, The Internet really was confined to the U.S. military and just a couple academic institutions. Uh, But Congress in the 1990s and politicians running for office at the time believed that an expanding Internet would be beneficial to the U.S. economy and society at large. And they were heralding the coming of the information superhighway, and a lot of people were scratching their heads and saying, what are you talking about? Uh, Well, of course, now we know uh, the Internet. Uh, so there was concern at that time by Congress that if Internet service providers were to be deemed responsible for content posted on their sites, they would be so burdened and bogged down in terms of grappling with calling. This is a baseball metaphor, Jonathan. I don't know if this uh, rings uh, resonates for you, but if they were bogged down calling balls and strikes on appropriate content to keep and remove, that they would not be economically viable. It would just be too burdensome. All right, so since the 1990s, uh, Section 230 has had a tremendous beneficial impact for Internet service providers, and we've seen the rise in the wake of uh, the 1990s and Section 230 social media giants like Facebook, Amazon, Twitter, Snapchat, Wikipedia, and Yelp, and many others. But as time has gone on, there have been some emerging criticisms of section 230 from various quarters for example and we've talked about that about this there's this sharp criticism that during the 2016 presidential campaign false information was posted on facebook and elsewhere on behalf of russian interests that were adverse to hillary clinton and favorable to donald trump in an effort to help trump gain the presidency On the flip side, more recently, some Republicans have been upset that certain conservatives have been censored uh, from posting on social uh, media sites, thus arguably depriving a diversity of views to be expressed online. Um, Others have been concerned that Section 230 is too broad, and as a consequence, uh, hate speech, online bullying and harassment, sex trafficking and revenge porn have been permitted. And very recently, the United States Supreme Court, sorry, the United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit held that Facebook is not liable for certain violent acts that were planned and supported by a militant Islamic group through certain Facebook accounts. Don't worry, I'm rounding the bend, coming to my conclusion of this opening (laughs) bit. So what now? Um, certain members of Congress with different agendas, and from both sides of the aisle, want to take action with respect to Section 230. So even Ron Wyden, now a Democrat senator from Oregon and an original supporter of Section 230, have stated that tech companies have not, not done enough to prevent "slime," quote unquote, on their sites. Democrat House Nancy, Sorry, I'm tripping myself up. Democrat House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has stated that Section 230 has been a gift to Internet companies that could be removed. Going to the Republican side, Senator Ken Cruz of Texas has referred to Section 230 as a subsidy and a perk for tech companies that may need to be reevaluated. And then lastly, Republican Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri introduced a bill that a bill two months ago that would strike down immunity for Internet service companies, um, Internet companies, unless they were subject to an external audit demonstrating that their content moderation practices were neutral as a political matter. So it's going to be interesting to see whether this potential momentum um, carries forward, and indeed with tech companies coming under attack from some uh, 2020 presidential uh, candidates, Section 230 could become a political football, here I'm invoking another sport, I don't mean soccer, (laughs) Uh, you call it football over there, on the campaign trail. So, Jonathan, I'm almost done. This is not an easy issue. Um, There certainly is value in not having Internet companies overly burdened by online content posted on their sites in terms of having to, you know, mediate it, if you will. Also, it would be very difficult for Internet service providers to be in a constant process of calling the balls and strikes when it comes to the many millions of daily posts? And do we want these companies to be the deciders of what is appropriate speech or not? So on the other hand, social media and other sites certainly provide an easy forum for content that is very negative and harmful to society on a national and international basis. And we really do need to figure out how to handle such negative content. So section 230 and its historical present and future ramifications likely will be in the limelight coming up. And Jonathan, I've caught my breath turning it back to you for your thoughts.
0: Yeah. Fascinating stuff, Eric. Um, I think we're getting a similar sort of debate over here as well, to be honest, because, uh, as we all know the internet wasn't invented by Dan Quayle or indeed any American but by Sir Tim Berners-Lee and I think we've had uh, you know negotiations and debates on this almost since the beginning of the internet I can remember this sounds like name dropping here but in about 2001 2002 I think I was at a conference in Edinburgh Uh, where Tim Berners-Lee was in the room discussing just those issues. And, of course, back in those days, most of the Internet companies were fledgling small businesses who you didn't want to burden with the obligation to monitor content. And, of course, that's changed enormously so that now uh, when uh, we had an interesting discussion on this, A couple of years ago at a conference where I interviewed Max Schrems and we were looking at some of the larger technology companies who have challenges not only from a privacy point of view, but also from a fairness point of view, from a content point of view, and also from an antitrust or competition law point of view. You know, some of these entities are huge and giving them more burdens to monitor content is clearly something that regulators are contemplating, given how large they are. And at the same time, I think many regulators are realizing that for some entities in the uh, in, in the digital world, fines aren't really making them take their responsibilities, perhaps as seriously as they might, or certainly. You know, large fines against internet companies in the early 2000s are certainly a different beast from large fines against some of the larger e commerce plays now. And we've seen that fines in the billions end up being, again, to use an American phrase, pocket change for some of the larger operations. So I think it probably is time to reevaluate. Some of the rules and regulations around the internet, I think certainly when notice has been given, e-commerce operations probably have to take their responsibilities to view that content more seriously. And probably there needs to be better mechanisms in place to report concerns. You know, some uh, large online providers say if you want to notify us of a concern then I'm exaggerating but you need to have a sign a form co-signed by three grandparents over the age of 120. You know these <laughs> sort of uh, processes need to be easy for, for people to access and these e-commerce operators need to review things in a timely manner and we might get a circumstance where I think on this side of the Atlantic at least the the notice provisions are revisited so that immunities may still exist but they may be conditional on 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 an easier way to notify concerns and more liability for the platform providers once those concerns are reported. So I I agree with you it's probably something that that the political will is there to investigate these things. Phoenix would say it's partly a political hot potato because a number of politicians feel that their um, uh, own time in office has been limited or uh, may be limited because of uh, things that have been said on social media. But in any event, you know, whatever it is, 19, 20 years in, in Internet terms, that's about 200 years since the legislation first came in on both sides, and probably is time for a review.
1: Yeah, I think it's been uh, close to 25 years, actually. And, you know, I want to be clear, I'm not, you know, me, as Eric Sinrod. Calling for changes to section two thirty i 'm simply reporting on its history how it really did lead to a robust uh, commercial internet, and some have been call- calling for a reevaluation, especially because you know on the extremes there can be negative very negative content posted in the main you know most content is not negative or of, or of concern um, so it is something we 're going to be hearing about. I will make one little uh, side point, and that is it was it was Al Gore who was running for president who made a comment that made it sound like he was claiming that he uh, invented the internet. I think he was actually misconstrued. He certainly wasn't claiming
0: that he invented
1: the internet. He knew better. I, I don't think it was Dan Quayle, unless you have knowledge that Dan Quayle was making the same noise. Is that, is that true?
0: No, you, you, you're you probably right. I was probably mistaken.
1: That's okay. Um all righty. Well, this has been your Tech Law 10. This, this week It's probably like 13 or 14 minutes, but I think it's an important topic. Please continue to provide us with ideas in terms of uh, matters you want us to discuss. Um, I'm Eric Sinrod uh, at ejsinrod at com. You can find us on the usual social media outlets <laughs> that maybe the social media outlets grew as a result of Section 230. Um, Jonathan, why don't you finish up?
0: Yeah, thanks very much, Eric. Um, An interesting topic. Do send us any that you want us to chat about. All that remains is to thank you for listening. I'm Jonathan Armstrong, jonathan.armstrongaccordedcompliance.com. We'll speak to you again in a week or so. Bye now. Okay, cheers.